This is The Big Dumb Ride, a podcast dedicated to the joys, miseries, and lessons left unlearned from your big dumb ride. All right, uh, who's next? Edry Ortega. Edry! Oh, man. Yeah, well, by the, by the standards of our other Big Dumb Rides, hers was not particularly big or, or dumb. Or dumb, yeah. You know, only 40 miles. Um, oh, right, but she'd never done... But she'd never really done it. Right. <laughs> so she just, like, did, oh, had no idea oh, oh. What, Right. Edry starts, Edry's entrance to, yeah, Edry's introduction to bike riding was crashing into a mailbox. That's right. Um, yeah. And possibly hurting herself, definitely hurting the mailbox. And then going from there to what, becoming like a, a college national track champion? Yeah. Yeah. She was collegiate track champion. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. within a year. You yeah. Know, it's like her, she did yeah. her first her first long bike ride ever on, on a single speed. And then, you know, won won a national championship on the track within the year. Having never Uh, more than 40 miles before. Right. And so so sort of her big dumb ride is actually like, uh, just using the, using the concept of big dumb ride as a, uh, life journey. uh, Extended allegory for her. Big, crazy, super impressive. Edry is a beast. And She's pretty funny about it because she's one of these people who seems to have, you know, just innate physical talent. I just didn't even really know that or realize that, like, right. or hadn't sort of channeled it into the, the sport yet. And yeah. by accident, and I love that Edry's reaction to like eating shit was then to go pursue competitive bike racing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that probably set her up for success. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. It was a fun conversation. So the steepest velodrome in the world, which I've been on, is in Canada, and I believe that's a 50-degree angle, 50-55. So your minimum speed needs to be 15-plus. If, <laughs> if you're not going 15-plus, you slide down and, like, crash. So just, you, like, so you have to put yourself in a mindset. Like, once you're moving and you're scared, you better keep moving. Edry, well, welcome to the Big Dumb Ride. Thank you for having me, guys. This is awesome. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Tell, tell us about your, your Big Dumb Ride that we're talking about today. Yes. How far was it? What was it like? The story I'm going to tell is like back in 2011, where I just started riding. And after getting a nicer bike, I was like, I can just ride anything now. And here we are. I'm like, I had a single speed steel bike and I'm in my head. I was like, yeah, I can go as far as I think I can go. Um, so a friend of mine who we both did like an internship at this architectural firm in, um, in Boston. And he wasn't all, he wasn't really a biker as well, but he said that, Hey, let's one day in the summer, let's ride a weekend and let's go out to Walden Pond, like the thorough Waldo P- Walden Pond. Um, let's bike out there. Let's go swim in the pond and like bike back. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, I can totally do that. That's awesome. Like I got this. I haven't done anything further than like 10 miles <laughs> on a bike, but Walden Pond, I think was like 20 miles out from Cambridge. I don't know anything about eating or drinking on a bike. So I didn't bring any food with me. Um, I only had one bottle cause I had one bottle cage. And so I was like, cool, we can make it like, it's only 20 miles. Like what can go wrong? So we start the ride and again, he's not um, a cyclist either. So he also just had like one bottle and I don't think he brought any snacks. <laughs> Okay. So we're just riding and we're like chill pacing talking blah 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 and then um once you hit a certain point out of the city it becomes really hilly and I was like oh my god I don't like I don't know if I can even make it out to Walden Pond some of these hills were like pretty drastic I guess in my head um I remember walking one of them and that's when it, I realized, I was like, yeah, I'm really way over my head on this ride. Um, and we're not even to our destination. 
Um, so that happened. And then when we got to Walden Pond, we were so tired and it was really hot that we were just like, okay, let's just go swimming. And of course, swimming tires us even more. So I think we ended up like catching energy because I think we just like took a nap. We were just like, you know what? Why didn't we just take a nap on on like the edge of the pond because we were so tired and so zonked out um, and we didn't have any food or energy. We're like, okay, let's take a nap. And like when we wake up, let's ride back. We did and I was still zonked out that I ended up hitting a mailbox. <laughs> like, I think it was, it, I don't even know what happened. At first I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on like, just like my cadence and looking on the ground. And like, I was just so dizzy and I just end up running into a mailbox. And I, I swear I like damaged this mailbox, but all of a sudden I just like crash into it and I fall um, and my friend's like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, oh, I don't know what happened. I like didn't completely hurt myself, but I, I feel like I like hit my hand or my arm on this mailbox. So my hand was hurting. So we finally get back to Cambridge and, um, my friend who's like vegetarian, he's just like, okay, we're going to have a cucumber sandwich. And in my head, I was like, what? what's a cucumber sandwich? Like in my head, I'm like, I'm also just like, I've never had a cucumber sandwich before. I would have not thought about eating that after a ride, like a big ride. Like I just want a burger in my mouth, but he hands me this cucumber sandwich and it was like the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. And now I'm like, yeah, I would love a cucumber sandwich and a very long, hot, summery ride. It was like so, it was cold, crisp, juicy. Um, it filled me up so quick. And I was like, oh my God, cucumber sandwich is the best thing ever now after a stupid ride. Um, and I can't believe I did that. And then I remember, uh, I think I was like, I had my car, I did have a car in Cambridge. I remember driving to that road. I was like, I need to see this mailbox. <laughs> I was like, I felt so bad. I was like, oh man, I just like totally hit this mailbox, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and sure enough, like I hit it hard enough that it like was dented or it was like moved. And I was like, oh my God, I totally fucked up this mailbox. And I was like, I stopped and I was like, maybe I should fix it. And I was like trying to fix it and I, it wasn't really fixable. So I was just like, sorry. I, I should have went to the door and I would have been like, sorry, I totally hit your mailbox with my bike and like my body, but I was just so embarrassed and like so zonked out that I was like, oh my God. So, so yeah, all in all, the ride, never had I done a ride like that at all in the beginning of like my riding career, you know, no fuel, like just me and one other person who still was also just like not prepared at all, um, crashing and then now if I look at it I was like man that's like the funniest thing ever um well typically we ask like how did you prepare for your your biggest ride or your dumbest ride zero preparation <laughs> right <laughs> so maybe the question is um like putting in context for folks who don't know you like you from that 40 mile cucumber sandwich mailbox ride you now race right you race with great escape so you've done a bit more than 40 miles since then well, and, and it's probably fair to mention now, you're a former collegiate national champion. I am. Yes. Uh, and, and I have at least one, like, local cyclocross series win to your name. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe talk a little bit about the, the journey from a 40-mile a ride where you became so delirious and exhausted you crashed into a mailbox to, to getting the stars and stripes in pretty pretty short order, right? Right, right. Um, so I joined, um, uh, so at the time when I was living in Boston, I, um, I was studying at MIT and they had two teams, one triathlon team and one cy uh, cycling team. So I joined both and a lot of the racers overlapped. So because I was in, on both teams, um, I got introduced to all, this, all the seasons of riding. So the first one was since I was doing triathlons, they're like, hey, why don't you try a crit? So I was like, okay, let me try road riding. So crits were fun. Um, to me, it was 
it was easy enough in my head where okay, I can I can like do a course, I can do it fast, I can learn uh, how to corner, um, and I can ride in a group. So that was a really good intro to just kind of like riding just one particular bike. And then track season, uh, uh, track season happened after road in the collegiate series. And there was actually not that many track um, riders on our team. And so one of the captains reached, personally reached out to me and she's like, hey, I know you're new, but I know you were a sprinter. Do you think you'd be interested in riding fixed bikes? I didn't know what a fixed gear bike was. Do you want to ride fixed gear bikes and just turn left as fast as you can? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, I was like, so I looked up, you know, track racing, velodromes, and I was like, whoa, this looks awesome. <laughs> um, so that was my first time getting on a fixed gear bike. Um, the velodrome that was closest to us at the time was in New Hampshire. It was an old, um, it was an old, like, uh, what's it called? It was almost like an old car, small car racing track. Um, and then they were like, okay, let's turn it into a velodrome. So I would go to New Hampshire, like, almost every week to get on the track. And then from there, there was a lot of people who were, like, you know, coaching us and, like, showing us how to, like, go into the corner. And the speed and the thrill of being on a track was so amazing that I really got into that discipline. So I traveled and raced with my team for for two years, um, kind of focusing on track, traveling, so the first nationals was in uh, Texas and our team got gold. Like we, we killed it. We had one of the smallest teams out there, but we were so good and so fast that we just like, and we knew the numbers we were like, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. We just like calculated everything because we're such nerds that if we were placed in a certain spot, like we would, we would win. And that's exactly what we did. We like had our goals. We needed each rider to do this much in like each each um, race, um, I learned how to like handle my bike and cadence like so well, just because like the track like really forces you to do that, um, things like that. So so that was like really awesome. So so those were like my track years. So the first year was in Texas. The second year I raced in Colorado. So it's cool that cycling kind of brought me to places and velodromes and, um, you know, like obstacles that I wouldn't even think of. So then after track season is cyclocross, I didn't have a cyclocross bike, so I would borrow people's cyclocross bike. Kind of got into it, but I really wasn't very good at it at the beginning. And then I only got into mountain biking at the end of my, um, end of like my studies. So I did go to Vermont to go mountain biking, again, borrowed people's bikes, um, but it was only till I moved back to Maryland that I, that I hopped back into like cyclocross and then I got a mountain bike and then I got into mountain biking. So I'm glad to say that I can race in every discipline and I'm glad to say that I have different types of control and it's, it's really cool to just um, try everything and I, I think that's you know, part of me is like, I want to try everything. I want to see how it is. Um, just have fun with it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I want to, I want to take you back to the mailbox. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, how the, the time between, you know, winning, winning a national championship on the track and, and running into a mailbox was, was what, less than two years or something, right? <laughs> it was less than two years. Yes, yes, yes. So as you were like sort of peeling yourself off the ground having deliriously crashed into a mailbox like what about that experience made you want to put in the the level of effort and commitment that was going to be required to become like a multi-discipline bicycle racer and national champion in two years right that does, that's not zero commitment right there's some had to be something about smashing headfirst into a mailbox that that well i mean maybe maybe actually that, that explains itself i, I don't know but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not reckless um uh, honestly, I think it was what drove me more and more into the cycling world was how much stress I had during my studies. Like, because I was studying to be, uh, to do architecture, 
um, you know, it's, it's not really the easiest thing. And my, and my sleeping schedule was off. Like I was just so stressed, um, that being on a bike just made me feel so much better and happy. So, you know, being with my cycling team, being, um, being chosen to go race, um, and having another kind of team believe in me that I can achieve something that I would have never thought I could have achieved, um, really drove me to be like, I can do this. I'm part of a team now. I'm not going to let them down. Um, like we can win. Um, I'm not afraid of, of, of like crashing, I guess, because I always crash and I'm always like, get up, smile, keep going. And that's always been me. So I guess coming from hitting this mailbox and like getting up and being like, wow, that was so stupid and dumb of me. Like, all right, I hit it. Keep moving on. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's finish this. Um, um, so I think that's what kind of drives me is like, is kind of getting back up positive attitude. I can finish this. Like, this is not going to defeat me. There are other people that, um, are out there doing, doing this and putting an effort in and believing, believing in me. So I'm going to keep going. Um, and, and yeah, I think it was less than, I think that was summer 2011 when I hit that mailbox. And then I think it's 20, 2012 is on that medal for Texas. So damn. Less, less than a year, actually, is when <laughs> I was on that velodrome, and I was like, all right, let's go, like, let's do this, like, zoom, 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 um, so, so, yeah. Well, typically, we ask, like, how did you prepare for your, your biggest ride, your dumbest ride? Zero preparation. Right, <laughs> so maybe the question is, um, like, putting in context for folks who don't know you, like, you from that 40 mile cucumber sandwich mailbox ride, you now race, right? You race with Great Escape. So you've done a bit more than 40 miles since then. Yes. And have some, some experience on the bike. So tell us about, tell us about that. You've, you've come, come a ways, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I still think I'm very underprepared. Um, I, I guess, <clears throat> Yes, I do race now, but I think I'm still underprepared when I train. Like to me, training for races uh, doesn't really exist. I I like riding to have fun, and I like racing to have fun. Um, so I so I I still do find myself underprepared for certain things. Um, numerous of times, I would go for a ride, and I'm caught in a in a blizzard, and I have to call someone to go pick me up. Or but you've been for caught the long blizzard on a ride multiple times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know why. I was just like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't want to ride today. It's snowing. And then I, other days I'm like, ah, oh, it's snowing. Okay, I'll go for a ride. And then, well and behold, I, I can't ride anymore because there's so much snow on the road that I would slide out or I can't ride anymore. And so multiple times I'd be in the middle of a snow blizzard and I'd have to call someone to come get my stupid ass um, because I didn't prepare for it. See, that's been my thing. And then another thing is I've just recently started carrying like, uh, like a, a toolkit for, for like, you know, flats and stuff. And again, like I would just ride without tools for the longest time. And if I got a flat, then I'd be like, I actually would hitchhike. Like I hitchhiked before. Like someone would see me walking with my bike because I didn't bring a tube and they're like, do you need a ride? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to take me to this point. I'm not going to take you to my house, but I'll take you to like my neighborhood wow. and I'm walking the rest of the way. But yeah, I've definitely hitchhiked because I was unprepared for a ride. I've definitely like been in blizzards or some stupid weather because I was just like, ah, oh, I'm totally unprepared. Um, so in that aspect of unpreparedness, like I'm still here. Um, but in terms of racing, it's, um, I've done longer, I guess, like stupid rides, um, mountain biking and road biking. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been a trip. You're the second, uh, female cyclist, notably that went from like zero to a hundred with bikes <laughs> that we've interviewed for this podcast. Oh. And it seems to be like a shared like personality trait or characteristic of folks who seem to like 
really go head first into cycling and just, you know, don't look back. I love that you're, you've got this interdisciplinary background on the bike too. And mm -hmm. like cyclists, you kind of apply skills across different types of riding and how beneficial that can be. But a lot of people who like in our bike world, you know, do cyclocross, do gravel and road racing, not very many people race track bikes. Mm -hmm. um, so I was curious if you could kind of break down for the, the noobs here, like what exactly, how does this track race work? Like, is it distance timed or like, how does it all come together? Cause you're, you're uh, on fixed gear bikes, right? You don't have brakes. You're with a team. So you're constantly taking turns pulling, like how, how just walk us through the mechanics. Yeah, this is, that's such a great question. And I think that's what makes track cycling fun is um, each event is actually different. Um, so, so, so for example, okay, yeah, you're on the lightest bike you've probably ever been on. Um, and then you don't have brakes, so you are, you are relying on your legs. However, depending on the steepness of a velodrome, and if people don't know what a velodrome is, or, like, imagine a running track. It's between, the largest is a 400 meter, so normal running track. Smallest would be a 250 meter track. And then on the very ends, it's like super steep or steeper than the, um, the long, the long way. So like bank turns like a, like NASCAR. Right, right. They're all banked. The whole track is banked. Um, and then the, so the steepest velodrome in the world, which I've been on is in Canada. And I believe that's a 50 degree angle 50 55 so your minimum speed needs to be 15 plus if you're not <laughs> if you're not going 15 plus you slide down and like crash so just you like so you have to put yourself in a mindset like once you're moving and you're scared you better keep moving like mm -hmm. the less scared you'll be if you just actually keep going faster <laughs> and it's really funny um okay so the track is banked you have a fixed bike and so the events are actually different depending on one, the size of the field. And then two, there's time trials, there's group races, um, time trials and group races. There's also events where you chase each other. So one person starts on one side of the track, the other person starts on the other. And you, and whoever can either one catch the other person first, like wins or two, so whoever is more ahead of the other person also wins. Um, and then there's, there's where it's called a chariot and you have one lap, balls to the walls, go. Whoever can, whoever can do one lap the fastest wins. Um, there's also an event called Missed In Out. So you have, let's say 10 people start, rolling start whistle blows um every the last person that passes the line the start line is eliminated so it's an elimination race like maybe the first lap you won't be super fast but as long as you're not the last one like okay like it's elimination you can like it's really a mind game um and you can choose where and when to sprint kind of things like that once you're the final three that's when it's like balls to the walls like go sprint um so that's missing out winning out is the same idea but the elimination is actually the person winning so a bell will be wrong and if you win that lap you actually like win that race and you like get points so it's really interesting um so that's like one there's other ones where uh a motorcycle is involved where you pace line behind the motorcycle yeah. for certain laps and then the final lap the the motorcycle peels off and then it's like a chariot ride you just balls to the walls like try to win <laughs> um it seems like a weird like, combination of like tactics skill and just like being totally insane yeah yeah because then there's really long ones where it's like all right you have 70 laps Ugh. and then you it just gets and now it's like you have to figure out okay should i try to lap the field should i just party pace this the whole time 
should I attack? Um, and that's when you, that's when you can really work with your team is like the really long group rides, um, whether it's a timed one. So it's like, okay, you have 40 minutes on the track. You know, that's when kind of more of the team tactics come in or they're like, okay, you have 50 laps on the track and then you have to figure out like how to win within the 50 laps. So what was the first, like, I'm picturing the, the, like, people who start track racing, like those first beginner months, maybe be a little gnarly. Like, what's that like? Cause you're, you're basically, you're, you have no brakes. You're on a angle and you have to maintain speed not to eat shit. <laughs> Is it just carnage? Like the first, <laughs> the first Yeah. So because the, because velodromes are actually so rare um, in America, um, you can't really practice. So you, you really practice on when you actually get to the velodrome, but, but not only that, like most races do start with like a, like a, a running lap. So you do kind of start moving first before the actual race happens. Um, or they put you in like a stand and then, or they hold your bike and then you start at a, at just a, um, a standing start, but that's usually when you're by yourself and you're not really near people. So it's, it's very, it's very considerate. So they know there's certain things where you're like, okay, we don't want people crashing. So, um, and we're not pros or anything. So like, okay, we'll have a running, a running start go. That's pretty safe. Or if you're doing a standing start, you're like really by yourself. And so if you ever do mess up or you need to get off the track, you're not crashing into anybody. Um, but yeah, another to say, like in in nationals, like there were crashes. Um, imagine like everyone's really trying to go fast on a turn, and they know exactly how to attack at a certain point. You know, you can feel like your shoulders shoulder to shoulder, shoulder um, at some points, and it gets really scary because you have to like work as a swarm um, on the track and use everyone's like momentum and like their bodies for like um for like wind and things like that it's it's really really a mind game for sure um so it's good you only have to turn left because if you had to focus on other turns like you couldn't <laughs> do other things in your head You're just like there's so many other things that you have to look for yeah. and like really pay attention to um the last thing you want to think about is like another kind of turn so but it totally has uh, fucked me up on turning right because I can't turn right comfortably like in a sharp like hard right turn like I can't do it like left I'm like sweet like sweeping left mm -hmm. really get into it when I go right I'm like oh, I'm gonna fall I just, like, like, crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna start, calling you, start calling you Dale or an art junior junior <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was like, oh no, right turn's coming up. I can't do this. It's banked, banked right turn. I can't do bank right turns. And you, you push a pretty big gear, right? I mean. Yeah, you do push a pretty hard gear. Uh, actually, when I do ride, I do have like a single, I still have my single speed. And when I do ride this, I'm like, man, I've been, I was pushing this bike like this easily. And now, now when I just do this big gear, I'm like, my thighs hurt. Like I don't, I'm not used to pushing such a hard gear all the time, um, the whole time. Now, like I'm like I want a granny gear. So, so yeah, yeah. I so you you've we our next question that we have for you. I think we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a riff on it because the the way that we normally ask this question is specific to the big dumb ride that we started with. You know, what would your highest high be or your lowest low be? But I actually. You're, you're welcome to answer it in that way, but I think it might actually be a more interesting answer. You know, if you look at, like, I would love to hear, like, career-to-date highlight, career-to-date lowlight in the world of bike racing. Let's see. I mean, I guess if, I, like, would I just divide them, could I say, in, like, different disciplines? Because that's how I see them as. Um, I guess for different disciplines... I've, I've realized road riding was my least favorite <laughs> um, in terms of racing, <laughs> racing road rides, like to me, it's just too long. I'm like, I like, oh, it's just too long. And um, 
and for me it's not it's not as I don't think I have the endurance so I've I found out very quickly and and even when I was um in college like I love like small sprints and like bursts of power so this is kind of why I kind of went toward um this is why I was like kind of good at track I was like just some small sprints of like bursts of sprints and then cycle cross was also very good because I knew it was like by the end of the day it was like okay it's only a six mile race but I can do like a power sprint here I can get off my bike I'm having fun I'm outside um different terrains etc cetera, etc cetera. My, my highest highs for um let's say like mountain biking I I was ecstatic to finish the SM100 last year um and what brought me to that point was one like really getting on my bike more um being out on trails like really trying it riding with you know my team great escape and like other friends um and then <laughs> and then to the day where I ended up kind of like going there by myself I was like well I guess I'm still it's raining and um you know like you like Andy you didn't really you weren't feeling it you're like you know what maybe I shouldn't ride this and then um what's his name uh blanking on his name Alex was like texting me that day up he's like sorry I'm not riding either and so I was like oh I guess I'm guess I'm racing SM100 by myself um yeah we were we were supposed to do that race together but I I, I broke my collarbone that year that was my that's right was my, you broke your collarbone and then like I broke my finger right before that and I was like you know what I'm still gonna do it um so the highest high was like I was still accomplishing that ride I mean I went I went into the night but after I passed that finish line and I was and I like didn't die I <laughs> like still had fun and I actually met um a few people there that are now my friends I was like you know what I like the goal was to actually just finish and have fun. And that's what I did. Um, and I'm really excited to do another crazy challenge, um, just like that race um, elsewhere. What's so on think, your radar? What? Is anything on your radar? I was trying to do Leadville this year, but oh, yeah. that obviously got canceled. Yeah. Um, so maybe Leadville next year, if it's not canceled. Um, we were gonna do the duo uh, on the Appalachian journey because because <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah. I'm the the biggest one on the team and you're the smallest one on the team, we thought it'd be hilarious if we did a duo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they canceled it on us, you know, for freaking COVID. Yeah, I know. I know. There were a lot of cool plans. Um, yeah, after after SM, I had this like drive. I was like, oh my god, I feel like I can do any other race now. Like it's gonna be so awesome. Um, so, but yeah, I really miss like. It's been super fun doing big dumb rides with Andy and friends and like just making up ridiculous distances and courses and just seeing what happens. But like not dying is always a good bet yeah. for success. Yeah. Honestly, I think any ride with Andy is like the best. It's like the so it's fun. You're like, <laughs> all right, let's do it. And like, He's there's solid, so much shit that happens. Yeah. There's so Never much that happens every single ride. And then you're just like, here we go. Like, this is what we signed up for. It's awesome. Oh, I'm um, so glad this is recorded. <laughs> we're gonna play this over and over again yeah yeah um but i really i do miss the the like i miss the stoke the stoke the, i miss the party vibe of some of these big dumb races you know and like just the that community vibe i think coming into winter and looking to 2021 it's kind of hard i know you know um mid-south did their registration they're planning on going forward in march it's just hard to imagine you know mass start races at this point mm -hmm. with the pandemic, but I'm definitely feeling the the longing for the big community vibe, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Crossed. This might be a good time then to ask you about your relationship with cycling overall, because you've done so many different disciplines and kinds of racing. And it sounds like you, you were really serious about track racing, you've done cyclocross, but then you've dabbled in the SM100, I guess. So like, you clearly mm -hmm. do a lot and I'm just curious, what what do you think about when you think of cycling and what does it mean to you um i have thought about this question a lot and um i've come to a point where i think cycling is my balance um in my life in my lifestyle um there's a rare there's always a rare occasion that i am 
not feeling good on a bike. Like when I get on a bike, I'm just like, okay, everything is fine. I'm like de-stressing. I'm happy. I'm like smiling. Um, no matter what kind of bike I'm on. Um, I mean, currently I am focusing more on just cyclocross and mountain biking. Um, just cause I think I feel, uh, a lot more comfortable on those kind of bikes and the road is like really scary and there's no velodrome nearby. So I've come to kind of terms of just like being out in nature, riding my mountain bike and riding my gravel. Um, but with the balance, like I've, I've found that if I'm not riding for a certain amount of time, my performance in my work like decreases. I'm not happy. Um, I think, I, I just think it just makes my life so much better. So it, it is a balanced relationship. And if I don't, if I don't do it, then I will not function right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I need my, I need to ride my bike. Um, and this is actually the one sport I have, I think consistently done the longest in my life. Um, I've switched to different sports throughout my whole entire, like growing up and you know, I think growing up in like an Asian culture, you had to like play all these instruments and all these sports. And I, you know, I just switched so many sports and so many instruments, but I starting cycling in my adulthood and then it hasn't even been 10 years, but I'm like, I can see myself doing this forever. It's like, well, this is a sport that I think is going to be for the rest of my life. Unlike my other sports, it's like, okay, did, did volleyball, did track and fields but you know i think cycling is going to be there for until the, I, the day i die um so yeah it's it a balance be like a sport that a lot of people like most people seem to come to later like post high school post college years and i don't know if that's just because of like a the, the low number of cycling programs in universities or, mm. or isn't like a, i mean i think that's changed there seems to be a very strong youth cycling program now but i mean mm -hmm. when i was growing up i lived in a lot of different places and cycling just wasn't something that you know kids seem to do as much um yes. or you know soccer and track and field and cross country or football or whatever so it does seem to be like something that people discover later and it's always so funny to me how people get into it you know like it seems to be sometimes just by accident like i had to get from point a to point b and then i figured out that i like racing track bikes <laughs> right you know i i think when we think about um, your relationship with cycling and um your experience in cycling there's there's probably one one other thing that we'd we'd be really um not doing our job in talking about big dumb rides to not bring up and it's it's not a race uh the same year you did the the uh, sm sm 100 uh you also uh did a bike tour right was that the gapco I think that might have been that the same year. Jesus, I did so much. Yes, that was the same year. <laughs> I did do it. I did do. Yeah, I did do a bike tour. Uh, did do the Gapco. That was five days with with Great Escape. Uh, it was eight of us. Um, that was actually a really hilarious experience. Um, and I hope the team listens to this because. <laughs> When we started the ride, we did not talk about kind of the, uh, the, like the goals or kind of like, we didn't talk about like, we had a map, we had like certain amount of, you know, num we had numbers in our head, but we didn't talk about pace. So at the beginning we were like hauling 15 plus miles an hour. And after like the first hour of going this fast, I was like, are we going this fast the whole time? I was like, can we stop and like jump in the water right now? And can we go eat some ice cream? Or like, I thought, I thought this was like a chill ride. And it was, it was very clear at the first like few hours of the, uh, of the tour that our group like split in half. We were just like, all right, party pacers back here. Those who want to go balls to the walls to the next destination, go ahead. Um, so I was part of the party pacer group. And I had a blast. I, like, I, um, I made a rule. Like, we each had our own rules. And I was like, the rule is if we see an ice cream sign, we're stopping. Like, no matter what. And we did. We, every ice cream sign that we saw, 
we stopped and it was awesome. And then um, Drew had a rule. He was just like, like he wanted to go in the water. So it was just like, all right, when we have an opportunity of jumping in the water, we're going to go jump in the water. Um, and we did. And then at one point we stopped and made coffee. Like we literally sat at a picnic table and like made coffee, like the middle of our ride and then like kept going. Um, so, so the tour was actually pretty fun. Um, it was, it, it rained, I think a couple nights. So that was kind of, that was kind of a, a downside, but overall it was like spending time with different people during the ride. You got to like learn about them a lot more. Um, a lot of people had um, really different dynamics and characters, but it all actually worked out so well. Like there was, there was no drama and like everyone just like loved each other. So it was, it was really cool. I really enjoyed that trip. Um, so, so that was actually my first bike packing uh, experience as well. So I had to borrow just gear. Um, and even then, like, I, I think I was actually, I guess I was prepared for that one. I asked a lot of people what to bring. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a bike that could probably fit everything. Um, and, and yeah, I had to like borrow a bunch of gear and like ask a lot of people how to do bike tours. And that was my first one. It was very successful. And, and yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do my next one. Cause now I have most of the gear I've been kind of buying gear now, just so I can be ready for another trip and not have to rely on like everyone else to like give me or like, let me borrow their stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll do a five day or maybe something longer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready too, and hopefully I won't be in a sling this time. Um, <laughs> That's right. You couldn't make it. Make it, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, we've got some rapid fire, rapid fire questions for you. Your your answers can be as long or as short to these. I'm... <laughs> um, yes. Uh, you know, I think we we've, we've covered a, a a lot of ground in terms of like different kinds of cycling and different ways of cycling and different experiences of cycling, but we're gonna we're gonna cover a little more ground. Okay. Um, so we're we'll start off of the bikes that you've owned. What has been your favorite? It is still my single speed Soma steel bike. It's like, I keep telling myself if any of my bikes get stolen, burned down, or if my house burns down, like that bike is the one I am saving. Like I'm running downstairs, grabbing my steel bike and running out the door. Like I could replace any of my other bikes, but I cannot replace my Soma Steel. Like that's, for me, it's like one of a kind. I can't find it anywhere else. That was the bike that got me like realizing that not riding a Walmart bike was like so much better. I was like, holy shit, there's like an awesome bike that I can ride and I feel so fast. Um, so yeah, my favorite bike is the Soma Steel. Her name is Black Beauty. She is super fast, super fun. Um, uh, her colors are black and purple. So she has been my favorite 100% bike all the way. And that's the Walden, Walden bike, right? Yeah, that is the Walden bike. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes, I am never going to let her go. It's like, no, you're staying with me forever. <laughs> yep. So on the, on the flippity flip, uh, what is the worst bike that you have ever owned? See, I wouldn't say I would have a worse one. It's just, yeah, I've been given so many bikes and, and I guess they're not the best, even though people just give them to me. So, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on. Wait, what have you done with all those raffle bikes? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at one point... I've life, never won a raffle in my entire life. Ever. But you have. <laughs> a running joke. You don't win raffles. So I'm just really you curious know. what that's you, like. You've won okay. the same raffle multiple times. Well, well, okay. So Dylan won the first one, but because Andy, because you, uh, so this was at Bikenetic, the, the two bikes at Bikenetic has been acquired by me. Um, <laughs> so the first time Andy, you crashed in your single speed in the single speed race. 
And so everyone had went to the hospital and I was like, okay, I'm going to just finish my race and then go to the hospital after. So I was left alone on the course. I was like, fine, let's finish it. Let's finish it. I was like, I was like, everyone got Andy, everyone's taken care of, like, let's go. And so I was the last one cleaning everything up. Um, because everyone kind of just like left like super fast to the hospital. And as I was cleaning, I hear um, Dylan's name called. And it's like, Dylan Stagner, you won the bike. Are you here? And I was just like, he's in the hospital. He's my teammate. Can I grab the bike? And they're like, oh yeah, you grab the bike. You grab the bike. Because they knew Great Escape. And they were just like, Great Escape has the bike. Cool, like have it. So I bring this um, this bike. It was, um, I forget what brand it was, but it was, beautiful like teal and like lime green wheels like single speed bike Uh super cool like city bike um awesome so I brought it to the hospital and I'm like Dylan you want this do you want it he's like no (laughs) and like no one wanted it and I was like yes I'm keeping it um but again, I already have a single speed and I love my single speed uh, steel bike. So what I ended up doing was I brought it home. I stripped off the paint. I custom powder coated it. Um, I have um, some people that I know out in Front Royal. They have a, their own company. So I picked out uh, a, a greenish color, like an, a dark army greenish color. And for your Star Wars fans out there, it's called Jabba Snot. <laughs> so I was like, I'm coloring this bike a Jabba, like Jabba Snot. So in the, in the uh, light, it has a really cool, like a tint of like yellow in it. So it does, it does kind of shine and shimmer in the sun. And then I designed all these little decals and uh, logos on the bike that that said like things like grind it on the top tube and like drink more coffee on like the like all this other cool stuff so i custom custom uh painted the bike which probably cost more than the bike itself like after all that said and done um and then i won the raffle fair and square the next year (laughs) so they called my name out at the end and they're like andrea ortega and they're like we just saw you. Where are you? And I was like, oh, shit, I won the bike. <laughs> I remember walking out with Coleman, and I'm like, I was like, Coleman, do you think I should stay for this raffle? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, and then we both hear my name. And I'm like, yep, running back for this raffle. <laughs> so this one was a bright orange, bright red. Um, again, it wasn't my size. And I was like, again, I was like, um, maybe I should just give it to one of these kids. Like, I feel like they would a kid would want this more than I do. Like, again, I have, I have the single speed that I don't need. Um, but I ended up taking it. I was like, okay, I'm going to think about who I can give this to, like who needs it. And, um, lo and behold, like one of my, um, one of my friends and coworkers, uh, that I had, she lives in DC and she did not have a bike and it was her size. And I was like, you know what, would you love a city bike? And she's like, I would love a city bike. So I was going to paint it again, but she ended up seeing the color and she was like, no, I love it. Like, I love this bright orange, this bright red. And so we named that bike Pumpkin. So she now has the Pumpkin bike. Amazing. All right. Next question. Do you have a favorite bike world personality? (sighs) What favorite bike world personality? Great Escape. I don't know. (laughs) I think our team (laughs) in general is like, Great Escape is um, a big world personality. I think so. It's like, it's what, yeah, I, like everyone's so kind, I think, in the cycling world in general. I, it's definitely a different feel. But cyclocross and mountain bikers, we're just, we're just so chill and so rowdy. Like, I think that's kind of the people that I kind of want to keep hanging out with and be a part of. So, this is person, we ask about, like, celebrity that you admire but I love that you were like no there are bike types (laughs) (laughs) well I was reading this question I was just like yeah no it's a great that's a completely reasonable interpretation of that question (laughs) that's really fair absolutely and everybody's got strong opinions about that and you know but you're right most people are kind some are just more than others (laughs) yeah some are intense and you're just like okay sorry yeah. yeah All right. Your, your Walden ride that we started with, you brought nothing to eat. But what is the strangest thing you have eaten on a bike ride? Okay, everyone's going to hate me about this. I think goo is so disgusting. 
Yeah, you're like the fourth person out of like five that we've interviewed on this podcast is like, okay, so fuck goo. Yeah, I think they're definitely not going to sponsor us. We're definitely not going to get us. <laughs> no, goo can. Don't they have like blocks? Like, I'll eat the blocks. I need to chew my food. If it's not chewable, then I will drink it. But I don't want this snot consistency it's, in my mouth. I'm like eating. Snot. Yeah, you meaning Java snot? Like, I'm not. I'm, that's like makes me want to gag and throw up. So, for me, for the strangest thing is like, yeah, this is very strange for people like downing this like well i was doing the coast ride a few years ago and it was day three this is from from san francisco to santa barbara day three i'm climbing up this like gruesome californian hill going like you know nine miles an hour and just feeling hangry and tired and it was sponsored by goo so everywhere we went there were these incredibly chipper enthusiastic like goo promoters and i heard the van like drive up next to my bike and slow down. I was like, oh no, I'm not in the mood. And then I heard the van door slide open and this girl's like, hey, do you want some goo? And I think my head, like, they had one of those like poltergeist head spins where I was like, no. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's like, oh, thank you. Just yeah, like, I felt bad. She was a nice girl. I just, you know, I didn't want to talk to humans. No, I love the, I love the blocks. Um, I love the powder stuff, but it's just that consistency. That's I can't, true. yeah. I'm, Oh, I can't do it. Um, I mean, I, what is strange? I mean, I think anything on the ride, like whatever makes you feel good is like, that's what needs to be eaten. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be weird if you like took out a, a tub of like Indian food and you're like, yeah, I'm about to eat this Indian food right now. But I've never done that. So it's like, yeah, what would be strange? But um, I feel like Andy yeah. has done that. No, no, I haven't gotten that. I haven't done the like Madras lentils thing yet. That's still <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. I'm interested um, what Andy has like eat the strangest thing on a mountain bike ride. I don't know if you shared that on another uh, discussion. What is yeah, Andy? What what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I don't know. Uh, I did so one of my very first pandemic rides was when we were like really didn't know how safe anything was. So I went on I went on a ride with. Uh, with Matthias on our on our team and we did a, a century it was like a road ride with some accidental gravel and I brought um veggie dogs in the bun and I just I just wrapped them in, <laughs> in aluminum coil and I just put them in my pockets just pocket dogs and, <clears throat> and and I brought a water filter because we didn't want to stop even to fill bottles like we didn't want to go into convenience stores or anything and and we were just riding along and I, I like I pulled a, a hot dog out with like in the bun um, and it's strange you're like whoa yeah it's a bad it's a bad idea though because because even with aluminum foil like the bad things happen to the buns when they're in a when they're in a pocket <laughs> on a hundred mile ride yeah <laughs> i think that's my that's great a, a, a smart dog in a bun with mustard that's i don't great. know Andy, i thought that those moth sticks from sheets with the Red Bull combo. Like, I wasn't sure how that was going to go for you, but it seemed fine. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Brave choice. Yeah. I washed, uh, washed some mozzarella sticks down with a, a Red Bull and then then up to, like, <laughs> Category 3 climb. Oh, my God. You're like, yep, you're ready. Let's go. Yeah. Let's yeah, I was, was flying a little close to the sun, but it worked out. I mean, now I know I can do it, and it's game, game on with mod sticks and Red Bull now. It's going to be... Build a nutrition plan around that. What, what's the uh, the most like seems fine technology, mechanical repair or hack that you've had to rely on in order to finish a ride? So I think I bail out early before I even like repair shit. I never really carry stuff on me, so if like something happens, I'm like, someone help me! Like, so I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know if I have an answer to that question. What what is the most seems fine mechanical repair or hack that someone you were riding with had to rely on to finish a ride with you? <laughs> well, during uh yeah during the Gapco trip, so many people got flats. Like it was crazy. I think it's just the weight distribution and like just riding too hard. But Addison, I think, had the most flats, and he had to rely on like zip ties at the very end. Um, we had to zip tie his tire down because um, I think just the tire just would not stay and it just kept getting flat and like 
everything like that. So even as he's riding, because the zip ties were around the tire, like slowly the gravel and the asphalt was like breaking them. So we had to keep just adding zip ties and adding zip ties till he got back to DC. So that was like almost one full day of him just like zip tying the whole thing. Um, so I thought that was pretty clever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a winner. Zip, zip tying your sidewalls in place is definitely, that's got to be a <laughs> Yep. That was awesome. I was like, I need to bring zip ties now. So related to that question, what is the one thing you would bring with you on any victim ride? Um, <clears throat> ooh. I do start carrying a knife with me just because again, when I find myself riding by myself, like, especially in the woods or like when it gets dark or like in the middle of nowhere, I always have this paranoia of like an animal might attack me or something might happen. And I'm like, I need a knife to defend me. <laughs> um, so I do, I do have a knife with me now in my, in my toolkit, just, I mean, who knows if I can get it in time, but like, I have an, like, I have a really nice like pocket knife that I bring, um, just in case I need to cut something. Um, I have a, a good, yeah, cut a bitch up or, you know, cut someone up, cut something up. Um, so a knife. I have this picture in my head of your, of your bike and there's no tool roll in the back, like no tube, no pump, no, no, but you just got a Bowie knife. <laughs> yeah. The back of the saddle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Just in case, I'm just like, ah! that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Xena, warrior princess, kind of scenario. All right. So this is a, this question stems from too many hours on the bike. Um, mm -hmm. Things we wish we had. So the question is, if money and time was no object, what's one bike product that you'd bring to market that doesn't exist yet? It can be an app, a tool, a bike accessory, a food product. It can be whatever. I have so many. I have so many. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to talk about a few because I have so many. Recently, right now, because there's leaves and it's getting cold, um, I've always wanted either a leaf blower right like on, the, on my handlebars and it like blows all the leaves away so I can see the trail or a flamethrower on my handlebars because I fucking hate snow. And again, because I'm always stuck in a fucking blizzard because I'm dumb like that. I'm like, I need to just melt all this snow so I can keep riding and not have flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, like not have snow, stop me. I'm gonna like keep going. I think we could adapt more motorcycle accessories on the bike. For example, um, so my hands get cold. And again, like the cold factor, we do have like bar mitts that go into the down um down handlebars but the ones on motorcycles they you don't have to like insert your hands in anything they actually are more of a shield so we need more of like a shield mechanism because i feel like when you insert your hands in if you're trying to move your hands left or right you have to like actually move your hand out to like move your hand and i feel like that's a hazard that you can't move your hands outward versus the other way and then something for houses because i'm into designing houses and things like that i think the mud room should be um in houses should be rethought mud rooms usually have laundry rooms in it and it's a space to kind of like get dirty like i would love to see a um kind of a bike wash station implemented in mud rooms more often. So then when you come inside, a lot of people store their bikes inside, you can actually have a place to clean it, wash it down, um, not be outside and it's cold and you can have a place to store it. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Not bad. I'm curious <laughs> to see if anybody wants to actually make them. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I would be close to do the, the mud room run. I think it's something I could potentially find some kind of fabricator to make it's like yeah like a it's kind of like a shower not really really big walk-in shower just pop a drain right in the middle i love the idea I, I need that in my life yep i think everyone needs it in their life and you can use it for your yeah. dog you can use it for like your children you know like other things it's like it doesn't have to be your bike yeah well cool that is kind of the end of our our question segment yeah, we're out of questions <laughs> end of our questions we don't have any more questions but this was super fun okay, I, well, I have lots of questions i just not not about not about big dumb rides <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but uh, it's been awesome having you and, and just hearing about your your bike experiences and you've done so much you've done a lot of different kinds of cycling so this has been really rad yeah thanks for having me guys i am looking forward to riding with you both in the near future Same. on yeah. a big dumb ride <laughs> <laughs>